Hey, revolutionaries. This is Sylvia, and you're listening to the Revolution of Wholeness. Now, before we get started with this juicy revolution making, I want you to know that the Revolution of Wholeness is brought to you by the Has Everything in Co. platform. Has Everything in Co. is a platform that believes that we have everything we need to create the lives we most desire for ourselves, for each other, and as we build our communities and networks. There's even a book by the same title, We Have Everything, coming out in March that details the blueprint. Everything produced by the Has Everything in Co. platform are steps along the way to seeing all of our dreams manifest. Welcome to the conversation. This part is the revolution of wholeness. All right, revolutionaries. For my inaugural episode, I had the privilege and pleasure of interviewing Jay Raishal about what wholeness means to her. Jay is a Black queer artist, writer, storyteller, creative director, and cultural strategist. Jay also hosts his own podcast called The Prodigal Son, available on all platforms, and describes herself as a multidisciplinary creative and emotional wellness advocate. Because of all of the above and more, I felt like Jay was perfect to be the keynote guest for the Revolution of Wholeness, and I couldn't have been more right. We talked about how wholeness shows up in our work, our love lives, and how it's a generational practice that requires compassion, grace, and even ancestral veneration. Let's get into it. Okay, hello, Jay. Thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Hey, hey, I'm happy to be here. Hella excited about the invite. Really excited about the conversation. Awesome. Me too. And I really just appreciate you for being my inaugural guest as well. That's um, such an amazing role to hold. One of my mentors taught me that when I'm starting something new, uh, the first time that I do something with the new thing, uh, it's like the keynote. And mm-hmm. and the keynote sets the tone for the rest of the project or the rest of the experience, the rest of the conference, whatever it is. And so I really appreciate you for kind of being in this keynote space here. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, of course. To jump right in, uh, let's tell people a little bit about you. So I think we could start by just talking a little bit about maybe what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were little? Mm, I had big dreams um, and definitely didn't didn't narrow it down to one. So uh, I think one of the first and most vivid ones was I really wanted to be a barber. Oh! I was, I was obsessed with like lineups and um I actually have a, a, a drawing book, a book full of drawings from my early childhood era, where it's just like me drawing dudes with lineups. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Because, you know, I don't know. It was something about um, the energy in the barbershop whenever I got to go with my dad, you know, and uh, like watching how they just like everybody kind of took the armor off and just just kicked it. And, you know, also left fly and feeling themselves. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to be a part of that real bad. Mm, I love um, that. But I also really wanted to do like um, creative direction. I didn't know that was what it was called at time at the time. But I used to love flipping through like the Vibe and Double XL magazines, and I was mm-hmm. like, I want to be the person who like putting these photo shoots together. I want to be the person who's styling, putting the fits together and stuff. So I kind of jumped around a bit, but my my inner child really just 
was not afraid to run for the fences. <laughs> mm, I love that. I love that. And it sounds like you've always been sort of uh, leaning toward creativity, but also leaning towards supporting people um, on their paths as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, for like a very brief point in my childhood, I really wanted to be a therapist, but then I realized I had to listen to everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel like that was, I wanted to listen to everybody, but I really right. wanted to have a kid. So yeah, I, I feel like I was a super sensitive and empathetic kid and, and also super creative and any opportunity that I found to combine those things was, was the sweet spot for me. Mm, that's awesome. So how has that followed you into adulthood? Uh, It's been interesting. I feel like my adult self really tried to talk me out of the creativity as a career path or as Mm -hmm. something that could be like a quote unquote real life thing. Right. So growing up where where I'm from in Macon, I felt like there were like three tracks that you had to choose from when it was time to figure out what to do with your life. And it was a teacher, be a doctor. Mm -hmm. Or like just just this general idea of being a businessman, right, <laughs> right, 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 whatever that meant, right. <laughs> um, so I picked business. You know, it was the closest thing to advertising or creativity and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and I sort of let my adult responsible self dictate that. But when I got to college, I realized I wasn't working, and it was reflected in my transcript, it was reflected in my energy and everything. So that was when I. Um, after my freshman year, when I lost my scholarship and things, and I was in my advisor's office was when I decided that creativity was going to become a career path. Like, okay, I already failed as a safe option. So right. What's there to lose by pursuing things that I'm genuinely interested in? So I think that was a huge turning point for um, just how my career has developed and evolved as an adult to, to just trust the flow of creativity and not be afraid to follow it. Mm, there is so much wisdom in that. Trusting the flow of creativity um, is so important. I feel like that's something that I am just barely scraping the surface of myself. So that's really inspiring to hear about you talk about that. How does that show up in your work? I mean, I, I feel like for me as a creative, going with the flow is just a part of the creative process because I don't always know exactly what's on the other side of a creative process, but mm-hmm. I know that I need to tap into it and get into it. And so it's really being a creative gives you a lot more practice, I think, with going with the flow. Would you say that so? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think creative intuition is is like one of the most powerful tools that we have. Um, and unfortunately, it's the one that's often been silenced the longest, you know, like you, you reach a certain age. Right. And- all of a sudden drawing becomes a thing that's not productive and everybody's telling you to find something productive to do or find something realistic to do. Yes. You know, so it's it's the it's the first instinct that we're sort of talked out of trusting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our biggest and most important work as creative beings is figuring out how to get back to that source of, of just like unbridled, unrestricted, unrealistic mm-hmm. say creativity. Um and I feel like that even now, even now knowing this, I still struggle sometimes to follow where it flows because I want to redirect. It. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I feel like more creative in the writing right now, but like where the money at in that, you know, or right. I feel more creative in photography right now, but like I want to shoot magazine stuff. So it's like, it's it's hard to, to talk yourself down from that in the moment sometimes. But I think that when um, we commit to, just returning to the source of creativity and trusting that whatever mm-hmm. direction that it flows is leading you to some opportunity, some breakthrough, some epiphany, some connection, some resource. Like 
you know, creativity in itself is a connector. So I think that when, yeah. when we stop talking ourselves out of the possibilities that are attached to that or on the other end of it, then it, you know, that's where we find the magic. I completely agree. Couldn't agree more. And I feel like as human beings, we are really creative by nature. You know, not everybody per se wants to call themselves an artist, um, but everybody has the capacity and I think the desire to create as well. Um, it's just it's just one of those human things. And I feel like that was really interesting that you you put those two words um, almost equating each other, productive and realistic. And not that that's coming from you, but that is what the story is out there. Mm -hmm. The only things that are productive are actually realistic. And that mm -hmm. if we're going to do this creative flow life, it's actually a little bit unrealistic. But um, I know that you're into manifestation. And so, you know, when I think about what's realistic and what's unrealistic, I think about that root word reality. And what even is reality really but a reflection of what um, we're manifesting? And so mm -hmm. we can, we end up making the unrealistic realistic when we fly into that creative flow, uh, which is, can be so powerful. So I know you just did a vision board party weekend. Um, yes. So how did that go? Tell me a little bit about that manifestation process. It was beautiful, man. Um, so I, yeah, I did just host a manifestation and vision board party with my wife, uh, Imore Balewa, and it was dope because it's was about the vision boards, but it was also just about interrogating the internal resistance that comes mm. up when it's time for us to manifest, you know, like figuring out how to silence, to acknowledge, I shouldn't say silence, but to acknowledge and also like greet those voices with compassion when they rise up, the voices yeah. that say, hey, like this isn't realistic or hey, like, cool, you want to buy a house, but like you're an entrepreneur, like, is that realistic? Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, you want to be in Hollywood, like you don't have any experience, is that realistic? And what I find um, when interrogating those voices is that they're connected to two things. One, conditioning, and two, a reflection of whatever I feel my self-worth is. Mm, wow. Typically, those reality checks that talk us out of what, what we want to manifest, what we have, all the power and the tools to manifest, is... Um, someone else's notion of what's possible for us. And that that right there is red flag number one, because who else knows what's possible for us? You'd be like, right. we come here as whole beings. We come here choosing our past. You know, like we have a whole lot of autonomy in how we shape our worlds. And then, you know, you hit, as a kid, everybody's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then you hit the teenage years and everybody's like, well, you know, like maybe you should pursue this because this is stable. Or maybe you should pursue this because it's realistic. So it's figuring out, one, which voices belong to us. Mm. And two, you know, like what it is that we want when we're not thinking about what's attainable. Like to conjure mm. a reality and a dream for ourselves that is based not on what is accessible to us now, based not on what is familiar or, you know, realistic for us, but for what's possible. Like what is yeah. in alignment, what is fulfilling, what is meaningful, what is that thing that brings us live, you know, like what what restores that childlike joy and that childlike wonder. And oftentimes it's like in that, that's where the magic is. Like when you get to that point where like you're the inner child with a JCPenney catalog circling whatever you want for Christmas. You ain't thinking yes. about how much your parents make a year, you know. No. You're not thinking about how much their bills cost in December. You just think about what you want and it's like sky's the limit. Anything mm -hmm. in this catalog could be mine. And right. that's where we have to visit 
or you know approach manifestation work and vision boards and things so um the workshop was really dope because we got to have that conversation about just affirming and um reassuring everyone that that we all deserve and are already worth the things that we desire yeah. it's a matter of dismantling the barriers that we've inherited or dismantling the mindsets that we've inherited or dis- dismantling the stories that we start to tell ourselves based on circumstance so they don't dictate what our dreamscape holds, you know? Period. Yes, I do. I'm sorry. I had to throw up the praise hands because you're <laughs> taking me to church and it is Sunday. Um, and yes, I think so often our circumstance can be something uh, that just feels very restrictive. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you're inside a circumstance, you really don't necessarily have access to that thing that it is that you desire. But right. it is on the other side of breaking out of that circumstance. And it can be very scary um, to actually try to even break out of the circumstance or even to just look on the other side of the circumstance yeah. and acknowledge that something actually exists out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's super terrifying, you know, because when you step out of programming, you step fully into the unknown. And I mean, mm-hmm. to be honest, the unknown is an illusion too, because like, mm-hmm. since we don't know, like we've never done this thing before. So like familiar isn't always safe. Familiar isn't always fulfilling. Familiar, mm-hmm. like it's not always comforting. Right. So like, you know, there's a certain security though that we assign to that, to things that are familiar, to things that we have history and like recognition with. But like when you have the courage to move past that, like that's where all, that's literally where all the magic happens. Like there's no, there is no realistic when it comes to the realm of what you deem possible for yourself and what you, what you decide that you're right. It's a matter of just deciding. Absolutely. It really is a matter of just deciding and saying it's so, and then trusting that it's going to be so. Um, Mm -hmm. I had another mentor who gave me a really cool definition of courage once, and you use that word and I think it's relevant here. So I want to share it with you and see what you think. She said that courage is the steps that you take toward becoming your best self. And then she also defined encouragement as the space that we make for others to make that walk as well. And the person who gave that to me is, her name is Jodi McVitie. She's a a former physician and and founded a social emotional learning organization in in Seattle, just Mm -hmm. to give credit where credit is due. Um, But how do you feel, are those resonating with you? Yeah, like I think that's a beautiful description of it. Like just wow. I think yeah, I I'm always fascinated by how people from different walks of life sort of reframe the same experiences that we're all having. Like I've mm-hmm. I've experienced courage in that way, but I've never heard it articulated that way. But I think it's absolutely perfect. Right. It totally broke something open for me. I mm-hmm. actually think I'm probably gonna get a tattoo that says encourage me, but then the word courage is in a different color than mm-hmm. the E and the N. So it's all put together. So it's like I'm kind of nodding to me taking my best life or me taking my steps toward my best self and also making that space for others too and inviting others to make that space for me as well. Because yeah. it really is. that there's room for all of it, you know? Like that's Period. the other mm-hmm. Honestly, encouraging other people to do that work enriches the experience for all of us. Like it's not, there's no lack of space. Absolutely not. There is no lack of space whatsoever. And I I think that lack mentality is one of the most powerful and effective tools um, of that programming and that conditioning that you were mentioning before, because it teaches you to think in terms of only, 
I suppose, Mm -hmm. and that there's only so much. And so therefore, I have to fight for what I need. Um, I have to hoard what I have. Uh, Whereas when we think in terms of abundance, we actually end up sharing more, which then creates more because we're we're communal people. We are a communal species. And when two or more are present there, you know, the creativity happens, the magic happens, the spark happens. Yeah. And I, I mean, we all get more out of it at the end of the day because the nature of abundance is like allowing things to flow. So when we get stingy or restrictive and we like hold on and hoard things, then we also interrupt, disrupt the flow of abundance. So like when we start to like, live and love with open hands, as I like to say it, to allow things to come and go without trying mm. to squeeze on to any particular part of the experience. We only feed the flow, which means even if corn runs out before it's my turn, by the time I get to the front of the line, more corn has appeared. Like exactly. my, needs, my needs are met and everything that I need to survive meets me along the path. All I have to do is submit to it. Period. Yes. So I feel like our conversation is is moving toward this direction. And I, I'm going to ask you uh, the first of the three questions that I ask everybody on this podcast, which is, what does wholeness mean to you? And we're talking a little bit about this abundance. And, and I think that really relates. So maybe in the in the context of abundance, what does wholeness mean to you? Mm, I think for me, it means trusting that at any given time in any given space there's room for every part of myself to exist be cared for be witnessed and be loved at any given time in any given state in any given environment there is more than enough room for all of me to show up and when i find myself in situations where i'm questioning that um it's usually rooted in my lack of belief that there is room mm. for me to be whole. And so I feel like the last two years have been like deep shadow work of me, just me having to step fully into that power. Like, okay, it's up to me to decide um, whether or not I'm going to shrink or, or create space for myself to be whole. Because I think that wholeness isn't necessarily about being everything all the time, but allowing room to be everything fully and be fully accepted in that, if that makes sense. So it's like, mm -hmm. I don't have to be angry all of the time. I don't have to be soft and sweet all the time. I don't have to be quiet and docile all the time. I don't have to be loud all the time, but I can be all those things simultaneously and allow them to move and flow and allow life to move around me in the same way that I, you know, visit the river and I trust that the river is going to move. And when it's time for me to move, I need to, I know how to move with it. And I know how to move against it. And it's like trusting that I am worth that same respect, that I am worth that same space, that I am worth that same freedom, you know, to move and allow life and nature and people and things to move around the fullness of who I am. But it's not my responsibility to dilute that, but like just create space and an environment of acceptance, a culture and a lifestyle of acceptance within first so that all the spaces that I inhabit align to match that frequency. I couldn't agree more. And I think that was so beautifully said. Uh, There was so much in there. And one thing that's coming up for me is when you spoke about nature, you know, I have a background in environmental education. So I think about nature a lot and how when it comes to nature, I feel like so many people think about human beings as being separate from nature somehow. 
And that's really kind of odd to me because we're all a part of Earth. (laughs) You know, like we're all in the atmosphere. We grow just like the plants grow. We have connections and relationships just like the animals do and and the plants and the minerals. And we all kind of follow these similar patterns of of growing, taking up space, getting to the end of our lifetime and returning back to the earth and having ourselves come back as something else. Um, And I really appreciate the way that when you define wholeness, it sounds like it's just natural. Mm -hmm. Like that just is the way that things go here on this planet. Yeah, I mean, I think the separation between humanity and nature is it's a very Western thing, first of all. Yeah. Just, just put that on the table. Period. But um, it is because I, we come here whole. Mm-hmm. We come here as whole beings. We come mm-hmm. here as whole spirits. It's the conditioning and the programming and things that sort of begin to chip away and then teach us the culture of chipping away at self in the same way or in anticipation of the system chipping away at us in, in anticipation of disappointment. Right. Chipping away at us in, in anticipation of betrayal or whatever else or pain, we start to like chip pre-chip away at ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think wholeness is like the art of like unlearning that, unlearning the tendency, the nature, the habit to to shrink and curate and you know polish and all these things. Like no, we come we come here whole. So it's about getting back to the natural rhythm of our own bodies, of our own spirits, of our own minds, of our own desires, of our own possibilities. That's the work. Yes. It's just returning, returning to who we were before we were talked out of it. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. That is the work. And it's so interesting to me that we do come here whole, and yet we do, because of uh, stories, because of narratives, because of systems, uh, we do get talked out of that wholeness and then because of that conditioning and programming, it becomes our work uh, to actually undo that. And I kind of lament that a little bit. Well, actually kind of a lot of it because I wonder how much more beautiful work and beautiful contribution I could give to the world if I didn't also have the work of undoing that programming. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of, I saw a quote about Something during the pandemic, well, I guess the pandemic isn't over. So during uh, COVID seasons one and two, when we were all on quarantine, (laughs) um, how a lot of people were doing creative stuff Mm -hmm. uh, because they didn't have to go to work and their bills were paid because so many people were on unemployment and people just did creative things and, and contributed to the world. Even my producer, she took up knitting and now she makes all these really cool sweaters and blankets and everything. And I think there's also some sort of statistic out there about how a lot of the the young people that go to art school, they come from wealthy families um, because mm-hmm. they don't have to worry about having those basic needs met. And so then they have all that space where their work can just be this artistic contribution to the world. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that speaks as well to that just natural – orientation toward creativity that we all have as humans. Um, yeah, so I, I do wonder what more I could be doing, although I'm, I'm getting pretty good at this manifesting space to do all my creative stuff thing. So yes, it's kind of... I love to hear it. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's getting cool. Um, so circling back to some of this manifestation, how, how does that process work for you um, when it comes to undoing some of those thought processes 
rewiring your brain so that you do think in the kind of terms that can actually have those manifestation outputs as opposed to thinking in the kinds of terms that just make us complicit in that conditioning and, and we end up conditioning ourselves because of the conditioning that other people have given us. How, how does that work for you in your mind? In regards to manifestation? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's giving myself permission to have the audacity to ask. Like, mm-hmm. just trying to, like, stop filtering and just ask. Like, honestly, at um, 2022, which my wife and I both talked about this in the workshops the last couple of days, but in 2022, that was the first year that I made the vision board with that energy. I made okay. vision boards before. The 2022 was the first time that I was like, man, I'm not talking to myself about it now. Period. All my things. Love it. All mine. Um, And it was a profound shift. You know, like the, the, so much of what I manifested was always possible, but it was the Mm. shift that I made internally to really get to the bottom of like the, the self-worth shadow work. Like it, Mm -hmm. it was about me knowing that no matter how unrealistic a thing felt that I wanted, because I felt such a passionate pull towards it, it was already mine. You know, like it, it's not about me asking for things that aren't mine. It's not about right. me asking for opportunities that aren't mine. It's about me putting myself in the energy and the frequency to recognize them when mm. they show up and also to align so mm. that I'm on the path. Like if I'm trying to get to Chicago, but I'm driving to Tennessee, nothing I'm waiting on in Chicago is going to meet me, right? So it's Facts. it's not what I'm asking for already exists. Right. I just got to make sure I'm on the right route to get that. And what puts me on that route is being fully confident in the fact that I'm already worthy of these things. Like so much of what we desire can just be traced back to like some inner child memory, some inner child desire. Like when you get mm. to the bottom of it and you strip all the adulthood and stuff away, most of what I'm manifesting is like childhood dreams when I right. think about it. It's, it's the stuff my, the kid version of me wanted to do, the teenage version of me wanted to do. Yes. So it's removing the responsibility and realistic lens of adulthood from it. Um, that has completely transformed my, my personal manifestation practice because when I think about just my history, my ancestral history as a black person, if they stuck to what was possible, I wouldn't be sitting here. Right. You know? Exactly. Like it's not only in my path, it's not only in my destiny, it's not only in the prophecies that I received, it's also in my DNA. It's in my blood, it's in my bloodline, it's in my lineage. Yes. So the the audacity, the rights, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the the access to dreaming has always been mine. Mm-hmm. I just have to remind myself to not allow circumstance to talk me out of it. So Period. That is about dreaming as a whole being and not dreaming as this fractured mm. piece of what I think will be digestible or acceptable or, you know. Right. And so it's really in that practice of allowing your fullest dreams to come through that that is a practice in pursuing wholeness for you. It sounds like yeah, it's 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 like making room for for everything for the part of me who dreams, for the part of me who desires love, for the part yes. of me who desires peace, for the part of me who desires stability, for the part of me who desires freedom from these systems. And like it's it's like allowing all of them parts to show up, and everybody got a seat at the table, and everybody got a say about how we shape this reality, like co-creating with self. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate that you brought up ancestry as well. I think having Black heritage in the United States is so, so powerful. Um, There is just so much to learn from people who put everything on the line because everything had to go on the line. It's amazing to look at the history and see how desperate the situations were and then see how glorious compared to the desperation, because we're, we're not all the way there yet, no. but, but to see how glorious the outcome of putting everything on the line is like, from those desperate situations. Um, and that, that also comes up for me a lot when I'm manifesting too, because for a long time, I'm kind of I'm kind of moving out of this space now, but for a long time I felt like I just manifested out of a place of desperation. Mm-hmm. Like I so did not like my circumstances. I so desperately desired relief from my circumstances that I was manifesting to get away from something. Mm-hmm. And I've shifted recently into this space of not just freedom from, but freedom for. Mm-hmm. And what is it that I'm actually manifesting for? not just manifesting away from um, and thinking a little bit more in those terms. And that shift, I think, has been a really profound shift for me, similar to what you were talking about before. It's so important because, like, we don't always see that in the moment. So, like, just the the switch from blindly moving like that, blindly manifesting from lack, from scarcity, from fear, from... Mm -hmm pain from trauma you know like that's that's the default because that's what we've given that's what we've watched our elders do like yep. okay i know that i can make something out of nothing but the problem is that we're already starting with nothing as the resource mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah so when, you, when you're already going into the conversation telling yourself that you were conjuring from nothingness mm-hmm. then naturally you you settle you limit what's possible but like like you said when you Stop manifesting from that place of desperation and fear. You can manifest what you need and not just what will get you through. Like it's yeah. manifest. It's the difference between manifesting more survival yeah. tools yep. and manifesting a life of thriving, manifesting yes. a life of ease, manifesting a life, you know, and it, it all starts with the intention that you're coming from. So the root intention cannot be pain or trauma. All of those are valid. Right. And I'm not at all one of those love and light folks who's like, spiritual bypassing to get yeah. to the promised land like no right you acknowledge all of those things when they come up you hold mm-hmm. space you have compassion for them um like personally for me all that stuff still comes up when i'm yeah. manifesting in the present time and i've learned to get in the practice of saying you know what i tried to do this because i was afraid that what i really needed what i really wanted mm. wasn't going to come through so i was manifesting this yes. just in case right what i really wanted wasn't going to come through for me. And you know what? I understand why I did that. I understand looking at my life, why that was necessary for so long. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate the parts of me who learn how to survive that way. Mm -hmm. And also I can teach those parts of me a different method. I can introduce those parts of me to a version of safety that didn't exist. Period. When I learned this habit, when I learned this pattern, because I think, what happens for a lot of us when we start to make these shifts is like this sort of self-deprecating talk. Like, oh man, I did this and I did that. And I, that was so horrible. Like, no, it was it was not horrible in the context of where I'm from. It was not horrible right. in the context of what I've survived. It was not right. horrible in the context of what I know and what is what I'm used to. 
And it's okay for those parts of me to no longer be in the driver's seat. All those yeah. parts of me will always exist, but they don't have to be the drivers always. Like, okay, cool. Now this part of me is a little bit stronger. They can take the seat for a little bit and we can all get somewhere better. You know, mm-hmm. so it's about um, honoring all parts, even in the awareness. Um, Cause you know, guilt is just as much of an abundance blocker as fear and scarcity and lack. And so it's, it's figuring out how to, hold those parts of us of, our, of ourselves that come up with just as much love and compassion and, and you know remind them that they're worthy of love too and understanding and also that they can come along on this journey to new experience you know yes building new pathways. absolutely building new pathways building new brain pathways new pathways of foraging <laughs> all kinds of different kinds of pathways and i appreciate what you brought up too because i know for myself at least when I have manifested those things just to get me through, I end up not having enough space for the thing that I really need or really want anyway. And so then I can't manifest it. And I got to let go of that thing that just got me through in order to actually create the space for the thing that I really desire. And that has been really scary for me for a long time. I'm leaning into trusting that a little bit more now. But for a long time, I was like, ooh, I don't know about this. Um, but yeah, but I've tried it enough times now where I realize what's on the other side of that letting go and letting flow is always something better than whatever I was holding on to. Yeah, because you make more cleanup for yourself too when you do that. Right. Like, oh, like, Literally. <laughs> that's energy that I could have been, you know, by the time by the time I'm done, I've already invested twice as much energy as it exactly. took in myself or in, in the thing in the first place. So, exactly. You know, but we learn, we learn as we go. Especially as, as the folks who are sort of at the helm at this within as part of this generation who's at the helm of rewriting these generational narratives, you know what I mean? Right. Like, the things like it's gonna be trial and error for us sometimes. Yes. It's not we're not just gonna wake up with the full code downloaded and execute it seamlessly. So it's it's offering compassion um as a balm too in those moments to like, Period. like right because we're we're really creating new blueprints as we, mm. as we're also operating the machine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that have manifested for you. Like how does wholeness show up for you in your work or in your life? Um, one of the things that, that I manifested and I honestly, when I think about it, I've been manifesting it since I was like young, like Love before it. I was an adult, but I talked myself out of it was like, I had this dream of being like this elusive ass artist who like <laughs> I love it. Did, you know, like wrote and drew or whatever, yes. but like nobody ever really knew exactly who they were and they uh-huh. just had the freedom to like move around and like be taken care of. And yep. like, you know, that's something that I've been saying. Like, you know, I'm the black Emily Dickinson. I'm I'm, I'm here for it. In the cut. Yes, let's go. <laughs> away, away from the machine, you know, living this life of leisure and luxury and like moving at my own pace, but like when it was time to manifest in all these previous years, I was so scared of that. Like it was so mm-hmm. real. I was convinced that that just didn't exist for people like me. You know, mm-hmm. like we mm-hmm. all grew up with this. You got to be twice as good, work twice right. as hard. Yep. Yep. You know, like twice as good, twice as hard don't work with this like life of elusivity in the woods. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> um, but in 2022, you know, my spirit guides were so loud. Like my mm. spirits, all of my, my ancestral, every bone in my body was like, my my G, you gotta lay down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta lay down. You gotta clock mm-hmm. out for a minute. Like mm-hmm. I quit my job uh, as a corporate 
creative director in tech in 2021, June mm-hmm. 2021. And I, I hit the ground running on freelance, like ready to overwork and overcompensate right. all the ways, like right. just on my own accord and on my own behalf under my own company name. But I was yep. really still perpetuating the same toxic work, productivity oriented mindset, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so 2022 showed up and I was like, man, yo, like this ain't working. I'm tired. I, by, the, by the end of the year, between June and December, I had given clients money back because my body, my spirit, everything was like, no. Wow. It's just, it's like, it hurts. It's physically right. it hurts to keep yes. trying to force myself to function in a flow that isn't in alignment with what my body and my spirit need in this current time and also not in alignment with what I want. Right. And so um, in 2022, I really had to stand on that with my whole chest. Like, okay, cool. I can take this rest. I can give myself this grace period to adjust. I can give myself this grace period to like, listen to my body and my spirit Mm -hmm. and just get to know what I need Mm -hmm. and not be afraid of all these other things. And so like Mm -hmm. freedom was really big on my vision board from 2022. Um, I always frame it and put it above my desk. So I see it all the time. That's dope. I'm going to copy you. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that comes out the vision board is the beginning, but you got to put it in in the path of visibility so you're you're engaging with the things that you're calling in on a regular basis. But freedom was one of the biggest things: like freedom, spirit, love, enjoyment, like yes, wonder. Like those were all mm. things that I really wanted to feel. Like, mm-hmm. I, and those are things that I couldn't feel in the nine to five workflow that I had consented to. The, yeah. Those are things that I couldn't feel in the self-employed entrepreneurial hustle and bustle that's like, you know, mainstream culture. And so right. I really had to be bold as hell in that and say, okay, well, I'm a bucket all and trust that I'm I'm not gonna fall. Mm. That I take this leap and I'm not gonna fall. And like that sounds really simple, but it really it really forced me to get to know every part of myself that felt afraid, unworthy, unsure, undeserving, you know. Yeah. Like, I it was hard because every every time, even if I wasn't doing something, I felt myself emotionally toiling yep. over this like guilt. Like there's this survivor yes. guilt. There's this like pro- lack of productivity guilt. Like, oh man, like okay, cool. Living this leisure life, but I gotta do at least one productive thing. Well, you know, as a black queer person, getting to the end of the day alive is a productive thing. Period. Say that. It's how we define it. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) One more time for the ones in back. Hey, I'm just saying, you know, being black and queer and intersectional, like getting to the end of the day is a productive thing. Like that's absolutely that's that's the greatest um, you know, accomplishment. Unfortunately, it sucks to have to phrase it like that, but that's reality for us. And so it forced me to get to the root of where all these other things coming from and like also detach myself from all of the outlets I was using as validation and work was a huge one of them. Mm-hmm. I think when we talk about codependency, everybody always assumes it's like relationships, especially romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. But it's possible to be codependent on work and like vices and things yes. like that. And I Absolutely. was severely codependent on work as a source of validation, as a as a means to feel important or valuable, you know, mm-hmm. outside of myself. And so getting to the root of all of that was the only way to take a holistic look at where I was and where I wanted to be and have the audacity to dream that I could I could travel the distance, you know, and it not cost me anything to travel that distance, but simply the energy and the mindset shift that I'm already worthy of these things. Yes. I'm worthy of a life of leisure. I came here 
pole. I came yes. here, you know, like capitalism put all this survival shit on me. <laughs> yep. Okay. But, you know, none of this stuff is mine. You know, we we are forced to engage in capitalism to survive, but like that's not who I am. That's not no. who I have to be. Yes. It doesn't have to dictate every part of my life. And so I think that um, honestly manifesting that life of leisure kind of is what put me on the path to wholeness in a way. Because mm. it forced me to realize all of the ways and places that I was chipping away, not just at myself, but at the life I wanted. Every yeah. compromise cost me a part of the life that I really wanted. Every right. time I settled cost me you know, something else. And so when I looked at it like that, like there's a cost to not fully believing in myself too. There's a cost yes. to not fully committing to what I want to manifest. Absolutely. And then the whole game changed. Cause like before that was the barrier. It's like, Oh, I can't do this. Cause it's going to cost me that. Well, right. It's not cost me something. Then right. So might as well spend that and invest it on yourself. Yeah. If I'm going to spend the energy, I might as well spend it on myself. Like I'm right. worthy of, I'm just as worthy of the energy and time and talent and, faith and courage for myself as I am as all these other things that I'm giving to it. I don't think about whether or not I'm worthy of that at work. I don't think about whether right. or not I'm worthy of that and what I'm giving. So when it's time for me to receive and experience, then I have to trust that I'm worth that too. Absolutely. And you end up actually being able to show up better for the other people in your life as well when you do that anyway. And I really appreciate too just your ability to hold both. The both andness of kind of this matrix or narrative or however you want to call it um, that does program us and it does condition us and understand that other people, when they see you as a black queer person, they might have all these stories and those stories do have an effect on you. And also those aren't you and it's not for you and it doesn't have to be what your life is about. Um, and I think that being able to hold both of those recognizing the reality all around us while also manifesting a new reality. That is the revolution of wholeness because you're resisting. You are both acknowledging and having that compassion on where you are. And you're also at the same time rejecting it and resisting mm -hmm. it and saying, but that's not for me. And it's really not for you either. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's do something different over here. Exactly, you know, and I, it's a birthright at the end of the day. Period. Kind of back to our bloodlines, like mm -hmm. every person of color who exists in this world ruled by white supremacy and white supremacy politics, like yeah, it's about returning to the nature of who we are, who we've mm. been, who we come from, you know, because none of what again, none of what they believed or they fought for existed. They were in a system of segregation, right? Navigating and surviving that, and dreaming about something. Right. Larger and conjuring, you know, like they still had, they still had to navigate, especially going all the way back to slavery. Like they had to survive right. the day of slave labor mm -hmm. and also leave that field and put that same amount of energy, put the same mm -hmm. and more into the prayers, the petitions, the mm -hmm. ritual, the, music, the art, the creativity, the spirituality, the dreaming mm -hmm. of a world that's better than that. So I think sometimes like we get lost in, in the semantics of like black and white of, of <laughs> revolution and conditioning. And like, there's a whole lot of space for us to not necessarily choose both, but not allow 
the system that still exists to talk us out of the possibility of conjuring a new one. Like I think mm. sometimes we feel like we got to be fully out of this system before we can right. create a new one. And that, you know, that's just not, that's not always feasible, but it doesn't have to be an either or or a black and white. Like you can absolutely right. conjure while surviving. It's just about making sure that the intention and the energy investment is mirrored between the two, not giving capitalism more than you give your conjure. Period. Your conjure. So you got to save some for you at all times. Exactly. And um, and when you save some for you, just like we were talking about with that abundance, you end up as a byproduct saving some for everyone around you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So so tell me a little bit more about how wholeness shows up in just your everyday life as well as your work. Because I'm going I'm to push, push on you a little bit because you were talking about pulling – pulling out of this space where work is your identity. And then when you answered the question, you went straight into talking about your work. And I love that. <laughs> I love I that. You know, I'm the same way. The biggest thing, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The biggest hurdle, but absolutely. I'm going to say that. I'm going to put myself on the, on the line there. Love was another part of it. Cause, yeah. And I don't think that we talk about the, the whole context of that. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we talk about romantic relationships and, what we choose to accept and how our experiences sort of shape our expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What's possible. Yes. We don't consider the full context of why that is like, yes, I may have had a childhood that was difficult to navigate that, you know, had a whole lot of conditioning that doesn't serve me in the present time, but so did right. my parents. So did right. my grandparents. So right. I'm inheriting survival mechanisms that get written off as, permanent circumstances right right like maybe my mom had a hard time in dealing with love and feeling like she could be loved whole and Mm -hmm. so in return taught me how to like primp and proper and like you know like present myself Mm -hmm. essentially curate who I am and like you know curate the presentation of myself which curation is not a bad thing but it does involve eliminating things right yeah so it's like versus instead of showing up for myself fully, I learned how to curate how people experience me, mm-hmm. and that that's a generational thing. Um, and if you stretch back far enough, oftentimes what I found is that the women who came before me didn't have room to be loved fully. The women mm. who came before me never knew a life where they were fully accepted for all of who they are. And so, like I just kind of by observation and conditioning accepted that as reality for my own life. Right. But what I found is that like existing in fragments or sort of having to decide which parts of myself are more palatable for certain partnerships left me feeling unfulfilled, left me feeling this longing, this insatiable longing for something that I didn't know, but I knew I didn't have. Mm. Oh, yes. (laughs) Absolutely makes sense. like... um, this time around, like when it came to my wife, to be honest, it's funny because before we met, I was like in this mindset where I'm like, man, I don't want love. I just want to focus on my back. I'm not really trying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love love. I appreciate you know every opportunity. I appreciate all the love I've received. I appreciate all the love I've experienced. I appreciate all the lovers that I've encountered. I appreciate all the lessons from those lovers that I've encountered that I've learned right. and held. Right. right now, I just want to be about the bag, bro. Yeah, I really, yep. <laughs> really just trying to be about the bag. Okay, uh, come on, change. 
And it's funny because I had to, like, I was saying that, but I had to get to a point when, again, when it was time to sit down and make the vision board, like, is it really that I just want to be about the bag? Yeah. Like, I don't have the energy to divide myself anymore. Is it exhaustion with feeling like there isn't room for all of me? The only only way for me to be all of me is for me to be completely outside the realm of romance and romantic relationships. Wow. Because if there's no room for me to be whole in romantic relationships as a whole, which is what my experience has told me. Right. Then the only way for me to be my whole self is for me, for me to bypass romance altogether. Mm. Had nothing to do with my desire. Everything to do with what I felt was possible based on my experiences and my circumstances, mm-hmm. right? When I made the vision board, I really, like, you know, I'm flipping through the magazine and I see this couple and I pause, like. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I do. uh, Maybe a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. I do want this thing, but I want it. I only want it if I can be whole, if I can do the work and do this, if I can be loved on my path and not mm. have my path be this thing that I sort of got to balance. I don't want to have to balance love and, and alignment. Right. And that, Cause that's know, unaligned. That was, right. And that was at the root of why I was saying, I'm just going to be about the bag. I'm like, I know how to get the work. Right. Done. right. <laughs> yes. See, you got those skills already in the bag. I got it. You know. And this, this other set of activities was a little more unfamiliar, mm-hmm. a little bit new territory. Yeah, especially, you know, like I said, like so many of our um, parents, like even even the happy parents, I'm not even saying it's just about bad relationships, even the happy parents have sort of yeah. taught that happiness is part of, is a product of, of like being willing to give away something. And yes, I think that right. Given our ancestral history, mm-hmm. that is absolutely valid. Given our yep. present day possibilities and options, it's not. And I thank the ancestors for that and my and elders. Do. Yes. I do. I do. And I'm, you know, I hold gratitude. I understand. I understand. I, I completely understand. And also it's okay for that to not be enough for me. Right. And I think also that circles back to that concept of letting go of the thing that is kind of good enough-ish to actually mm-hmm. make space for that thing that you really desire and us being able to do that generationally together as a people and not mm-hmm. just as individuals while also doing it as individuals. Like it's all these different levels. And holding space for both sides. Cause I think there's a generational tension too. Like our, absolutely. our elders take offense to our unwillingness to yes, accept. Absolutely. And then sometimes we look at them as if it was a weakness because they didn't when it's not, right. you know, we all, the, the, the baton travels a little bit farther with every generation. So it's not yes. fair. To look back at our elders and say, well, you didn't because they also they didn't have as many tools. They didn't right. Have as many access to resources. But right. it's wild to think about love in that context. But I had to to get to a place where I felt like I could be whole in the context of a relationship. That I could be whole mm. without that taking anything away from my relationship. I could be whole without that taking anything away from my partner. That I could be whole and that not be a threat to my partner. That I could mm. grow into 
off and there be space for that. And my partner celebrate and cheer and, you know, like encourage and empower and uplift me to keep moving through right. these awkward transitions that come with elevation and growth and maturity and, you know, evolving, like change. Um, and that was really difficult, man, because like you, you look around and you think, well, ain't nobody out here. Right. Everybody, ain't nobody like you know, like am I trip am I wild like am I wildin'? Is it selfish of me to think that I can be whole in a relationship and it's not? Like every relationship that I've been in since making the shift, the mindset set shift to not allow anything that required me to leave part of myself behind mm-hmm. to linger in my in my my field, every romantic relationship has benefited every familiar right. relationship has benefited right. every professional relationship has benefited because now I bring a different energy like you know right. like when I'm fully secure in myself and I'm willing to accept all of myself then everybody who engages with me benefits from the whole of who I am yes absolutely the love there's a different depth to the love too like in my marriage I feel like I don't ever have to choose between the work and the wife, like being, mm, being a wife, say that. Doing the work, you yes, know? like there's room for me to be a wife and do the work. There's room for yes. me to be a wife and be a friend. There's room to me for me to be a wife and be a professional and like and be a dreamer and yes. be spiritual. All these things and like it, like that's probably like the most profound experience that I've had. Like in the conversation of wholeness, is like the shift between what I allowed, what I knew, what I thought I deserved, right. what I had already decided based on experience and trauma and conditioning, whatever that I deserved, shifting to a place where I know how I want to feel, where yeah. I know how I feel about myself after all the shadow work, you know? I right. know that, that being loved in any way that doesn't at least reciprocate the love I have for myself is already off the table like that's not even an option anymore right like the freedom that i have felt in love as a lover mm. my ability my capacity to be a present supportive lover you know my capacity to show up in truth in every form of myself right has been so liberating man like i love like, it it's like the most beautiful thing ever and like i if i'm honest i've i've just been sad that it took me this long to get to get to this place but also celebrating that I finally that's okay. have, have arrived um and here you are and here I am you know yeah. <laughs> here, here I am in, in the in a whole marriage 12 months after I swore I was only gonna be about the bag period you know, let's go I down and I allowed myself to be deserving and I allowed myself to be honest about what I needed and what I wanted and, and what that looked like and what that felt like Right, And also to your point earlier, I had the courage to say, I'm not willing to say yes until. Yes. The courage. Until and, these conditions are met. You know? mm-hmm. The courage, the wisdom, the patience, the endurance, all of those things. And I also really appreciate the way you're bringing in self-accountability as well. I think so often when we think about relationships that um, maybe didn't end in marriage or maybe felt a little bit more like a lesson than a love. Um, and th- that's, that's all good too. No shade at all meant in that way. It's at least for me and, and sometimes in the conversations I have with other people, there 
sometimes can be a lack of that self-accountability. Like how was I actually participating in Mm -hmm. producing this adverse outcome for myself and ultimately for the other person too, because they didn't deserve that either. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the biggest sign of maturity to me. And like one of my favorite kinds of green flags for like, you know, meeting new people or whether, you know, like being in community with folks, like people who are willing to have that conversation to say, you know, this relationship, this connection didn't have the sweetest ending or it didn't have sure. the sweetest outcome. And I was a part of that. Yeah. You know, like, not that it's my fault. It's not a blame game because that there's exactly. a line between right. blame and accountability. But I yes. think it's, it's saying, hey, like, my conditioning altered the relationship in this mm-hmm. way. My right. projections altered my experience and my partner's experience in this way. Yes. My lack of... Uh, accountability affecting things in this way my right. um shrinking my my tendency to shrink also yes. never gave my partner the opportunity to see me fully to right. you know, even be able to accept me fully and so i think it's, right. it's being accountable to all of that and it's funny because that came up in the manifestation workshop too today <laughs> yeah that's dope uh, is that when you ask for it and like i i definitely had experience when i when i asked for love that um, brought me deeper into my spiritual work and deeper into my path and, and, you know, like empowered me to follow my purpose with a little bit more intention, a whole bunch of opportunities mm-hmm. presented themselves. Mm-hmm. You know? And I had to say, well, right now I really want company. And so I'm going to say right. yes to this. And that's, you know, my accountability right now. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm having a hard time believing that all of what I want is possible. So I'm going to exist over here, but, Right. Those are, those scenarios come up as tests to see whether or not you are willing to be accountable yep. to mm-hmm. what you're manifesting. Are you willing to believe fully in that? Because the universe matches our energy. Right. Our frequency determines a whole lot of, of, of what we get. So it's like I had to figure out how to say no and not no from a place of condemnation or no from a place of blame or no from a place of malice, but yes, you are worthy of love. No, this does not align with the kind of love I have decided I deserve. Right. Yes. I know I deserve. Like, it's it's not about demonizing what doesn't align, but mm-hmm. being mindful enough to say this does not align and so I can't accept it. This doesn't align, so I can't invest in it. This doesn't yes. align. Because, you know, you ask for love, you put that on your vision board, 20 people are going to pull up. <laughs> Period. Listen, every time. Every Mm -hmm. single time. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So it's about passing passing the test from that sense of like, you know, once you ask, you put your intentions out there, you're accountable for what you accept from that point out. Yep. And that's a game changer. It really is a game changer. And for me, that's been such a big lesson on my own pursuit of wholeness is really looking at what what are what are the things that I'm contributing to this mess mm-hmm. and what am I going to do about that and not only just like we were talking about earlier not only do I need to or would I like to anyway manifest my way out of this mess but what is it that I actually want to manifest and see on the other side of this anyway and what are the behaviors the mindsets the activities that I need to uh, lean in toward participating in so that I can manifest that. What are the things that I'm doing, whether it's conscious, subconscious, otherwise, 
that actually are kind of pointing me toward Denver instead of Chicago, like we were talking about. Yes. Or Tennessee, I think you had said. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, that's the uncomfortable part because like human nature does not like accountability and like it's it's not it's not it's not a feel-good thing right (laughs) especially initially so i'm curious though do you really think it's human nature or do you think that's part of the conditioning because i feel like sometimes accountability is fun and sometimes it actually does feel good and i'm i i'm not i don't have an answer to that question it's something i ponder about though because i feel like we this society is very rewards and punishment oriented and so oftentimes when people think about accountability, they associate it with punishment. Yeah. Like, oh, I did something wrong and therefore I need to pay up in whatever way that that um, happens. Um, but for me, I've really – my relationship to this concept of accountability has kind of grown uh, into a space of feeling grateful that I can hold myself accountable and feeling – kind of excited to hold myself mm-hmm. accountable. It's that, it actually is starting to kind of feel good. I think it, I think it's both. I think it, it happens in waves like grief does. Yes, I think absolutely. You first have to say, oh, man, I broke the eggs. Like, yeah, right, 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 right. Oh, mm-hmm. man. You know, like it, it's not a happy feeling to admit that True. you messed up. Fast. I think that it's a happy feeling to to own your responsibility to fix or, or right. shift or give it in response to that. So I think, I think it's both, I understand where you're coming from and I definitely um, do enjoy being accountable simply because it is a reminder of the power I have at any given point to choose, to move, right, to flow differently. Um, but initially it always sucks. It does think a little bit. I have to say like, even in my marriage, you know, it doesn't matter how perfect your partner is. Right. It doesn't matter how you think you are. Yep. The nature of relationship is that there are great times and there are not so great times. And yep. like all parties contribute to all sides of that experience. Yep. So it's mm-hmm. not fun to have to say to my wife, I overreacted. Uh. I my friends, <laughs> you know, like I was being dramatic. Like, Yo, <laughs> it's not, I had to it's, do that it's recently. You shouldn't even have to say. Yes. Like, you know, like, it's I embarrassing. Really, <laughs> I was really like, you're right. You're like, you know, tripping Yeah. It is fun to say I was tripping and I could do better. I was tripping right. and I'm here and I see the impact of that. Like I right. I can see how my tone made it hard for you to listen. I like mm. I it, mm-hmm. it's simple, and it's like you know, the compassion has to go to both sides. Like you can't yep. be like I fucked up until now you get to treat me badly and I'm gonna treat me badly too. But like right. Cause who is that yeah, helping? It's an opportunity to understand better, like understand how to move differently. Um, right. And I think that that blame doesn't put you any closer to change. No, it, it doesn't. Further away from it. So, I think I think it's both. I think it's a, accountability is a uh, an experience that exists on a spectrum, and like where we are in our emotional maturity determines how how we experience that. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree with you. Thank you for going with me there. And so we're getting close to our time. So I'm thinking about, you know, I shared a little bit about my pursuit of wholeness. I'm wondering about your pursuit of wholeness and what kind of advice you would give to other people that are also on their pursuits of wholeness. Mm. I think it's figuring out how you want to feel, like mm. how, you, how you want your life to feel, mm-hmm. how you want your day to feel, how do you want your year to feel? Um, mm-hmm. 
I've not made resolutions for a while, but last year it, I wanted to feel free. Mm-hmm. That was a thing. Like, do I feel, is there freedom in this? Yeah. Cool. Do I feel free? Like, do I have creative freedom? Do I have whatever? And so yeah. I think um, starting with how you want to feel and writing that out, even, even mapping out like, Mm, freedom to me means being able to choose how much I do in the day. Mm. Freedom to me means being able to go anywhere I want to go. Freedom to me means I can take a time out. Yeah. And any point of the day when yep. I need to, it's a 15 minute timeout or a two hour timeout. Right. You know, like, so it's, it's feeling out what that, figuring out what that feeling is, is a great starting point. Cause I think that sometimes the pursuit of wholeness can be overwhelming. Cause we're, yeah. We come here whole and then we spend our whole lives chipping away at what makes it easier to survive. Right. You know, chipping and chiseling and sculpting ourselves into whatever um, is most likely to survive, right? But getting to the feeling of, getting to the intention of how we want to feel kind of puts you in a place where you have to imagine outside of that. Mm-hmm. I can want to feel free and not feel free in my life at all right now. Right. If I say that I want to feel free, then all of a sudden my mind is opened up to like imagine to map out what freedom looks like, what yes. that feels like, which decisions align with that, and it also gives you a metric. Like, yeah. before I accept this job, does it make me feel this? Right. Before I accept this relationship, does it make me feel this? Right. Before I take this trip, does it make me feel this? Before mm-hmm. I answer this phone call, does it make me feel this? And so I think that um, starting with intention is a very powerful tool for folks just trying to figure it out. Um, and also um, offering grace. I'm, I'm definitely the compassion preacher. I think yes. Offering grace for where you are and the places where you're misaligned is just as important. It's, like you said, I am in, in this and type person. And yeah. I think yeah. so much of the pursuit of wholeness begins with guilt and shame. Yes. Oh, man. I, how did I let myself go? How did I let my life get this? How did I like... Right. Well, you know, some of it is personal accountability and some of it is circumstance, but all of it requires compassion to move to a place of wholeness. You can't punish yourself into a life of wholeness. You can't mm. blame yourself into a life of wholeness. You have to love yourself into the fullness of who you are. You have to love yourself into a life that aligns with you. You can literally love yourself into a better life. And that's one of the things I say all the time. Like it starts with the compassion and the grace to say where I am is uncomfortable and I am capable of imagining and living and existing in a life that is very different from this and the life that I want. Because I came here with that intention. All I have to do is strip away every barrier that comes between who I was Mm-hmm. When I got here and who I've become based on what I thought I was supposed to be, based on who I thought I was supposed to be, based on who my parents thought I was supposed to be, based on what capitalism said I needed to be to survive, based on what I need to do for rent, based on what a mother requires of me, based on mm-hmm. what a father mm-hmm. requires of me, based on what, what employment, like move all that stuff around. How do you want to feel and what right. places can you soften mm. to listen and lean into more of what comes up innately because you know when you when you get to a place of love and compassion all your dreams feel safe to arrive oh wow everything that your inner child was talked out of that child now feels safe to say again because now they're talking to you a person who's created great grace and a loving caring soft understanding empathetic environment for them to be honest with what they need from you right at this point Right. The inner child is you. 
it's, it's not that we say in a child and adult, but we're it's all one entity. Yes, so it's all me. It's, feeling, it's about loving and softening and being compassionate and graceful enough for those parts of ourselves to feel safe to be seen and heard. Wow. And, not, and unfragmented. And unfragmented, you know, and, and also not feel delusional, like to validate, to allow those things to feel right. safe to show up right. and validate them when they show up. Right. That reminds me also, I heard a definition of the word remember. Uh, they separated the re and the member. And that when we're in this process of remembering our, our inner child and, and re-witnessing our inner child, we are actually remembering ourselves together. So we're putting back the different pieces of our body um, or the different pieces of ourselves that have become fragmented together. And I thought that was so powerful and it reminds me also, you mentioned that personal responsibility piece. And in case you haven't noticed, I'm kind of a word geek, I guess. Um, <laughs> and that, that word responsible also, you can, you can separate the response from the able part. And when mm-hmm. you are taking responsibility for something, that means that you are actually able to respond to that thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that for me has really softened um, this act of personal responsibility, the act of accountability. It is me saying, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can actually respond to this thing that happened. I can make something new happen. And there's so much power in that. Mm-hmm. What you said reminds me of this quote that I heard. I don't remember who the author is, so I have to look it up. But um, something about like um, all of this grief, all of this shame, when I accept that they are mine, I also have the power to release them. Mm. I can't release anything that belongs to anybody else. Yes. But the minute that I decide that it's mine, the minute that I decide I'm the one giving my power away, right. I can also remember that I'm the one who can take my power back. The minute Period. That I realize I'm the one making myself small is the same minute that I can remember and remind myself that I have the power to take up space. You know, So it's like responsibility sometimes comes across as a dirty word the same way accountability does yeah. when it's conflated with punishment. But right. um, responsibility is an opportunity more than anything else. Yes, absolutely. It's a reminder of personal power and personal freedom and the ability to choose at any moment a different route. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Any any last words you want to share for the audience before we wrap up? Um, I think be patient. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with your journey. Like Trust your timing. I can talk and say, honestly, it took me 34 years to grow into the light that people are seeing and responding to today. Yeah. It wasn't overnight. You know, it was, it was 34 years and some of those years were spent in the dark and some of those years were spent in the light. Right. And I got dark and light ahead of me still, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's about being patient with the seasons that I'm in and being patient with myself in this process, because all of, all, none of the stuff that I'm unlearning was learned in the day or a night or a month. all of it was learned over time. And so I have to give myself patience and time and grace and opportunity to move through these things toward um, what is in alignment with my highest good, what is in alignment with a fulfilling life. What that looks like for me is beginning with compassion and patience and not rushing myself through or shaming myself for the amount of time that it's taking me. Absolutely. To get there. Mm. What a word. 
Um, well, thank you again so much, Jay, for being the inaugural guest. This has been such a treat to sit down and chat with you for a little over an hour. We're actually at 111 right now, so that's kind of cool. Wow. Yes, okay. new beginnings. <laughs> Peace and blessings, revolutionaries. This has been Jay Rochelle. I wish you a life of love, peace, and prosperity.